Copy paste another hectic day I woke up late and I'm still so tired All of my responsibilities turn into casualties Till I get high and I could sleep for days Don't leave your flowers where I lay I'm not coming down from here I could be the slacker of the year I'm not coming down I had dreams of going out today Find a brand new place I could leave my mark on Into a world of possibility A sad celebrity I could go far and I could earn their praise Taking prizes from the mad parade I can hear the people cheer Calling me the slacker of the year I'm not coming down from here I'm not coming down I'm not coming down in a world of such atrocity, animosity. There stands a hero up against the wrongs that he can see in everything with the world below pointing to the sky. I hear the children as I fly so high. I can hear them. Calling for the slacker of the year I'm not coming down from here I'm not coming down Nice. Jim Laurie, thank, thank you for coming to the studio. Thank you very much for having me. It's my bedroom, but, you know, we call it the studio. Verb off. Um, <laughs> that was the, the title track from your latest record, Slacker of the Year. It was, yes. Uh, do you remember when it was you actually wrote that one? Yeah, I wrote it within the space of about um, eight hours at my friend's house in Castlemaine. 
um, he he and his partner allowed me to uh, come up for a few days and just chill out and bring my guitar and they were both working in the city at the time so they'd do the commute at like 6am in the morning and I would get up and have the house to myself for a good 9 to 10 hours and yeah I just um, one of those days I just got high and started writing that song and I was like yeah this yeah. is this is a funny song and I want to release it. It and it's became the title track of the album and it kind of sits in the middle of the album as well. Yeah. Did you feel like that was going to be the centerpiece of the record when you were when you were writing it or were you just feeling like it was just another like kind of a funny funny gag song like you just said? Um I thought it was really profound when I first wrote it, but that was cuz I was really high. Um <laughs> <laughs> But um funny I think that. yeah, it was like it was the last song to be written for this album. And it's like, it's kind of like the comic relief in the middle of a whole bunch of songs that are pretty um, emotionally dense yep. for me. So uh, I, I thought that I should call the album Slacker of the Year as well because, I don't know, I just felt like um, people needed to, uh, I don't know, you don't, you don't want to like go you know this album's all about heartbreak you kind of want everyone to know that Mm. it's like you know there's some other stuff in there too yeah i think um i've listened probably about five interviews of you talking about this record in quick succession maybe only because i wanted to see if if our band would be mentioned in the interviews and all the time because we because we supported you at the the album launch which is great so I'm, i'm used to hearing some of your responses to like that whether this is a a breakup album or not a breakup album or yeah. how it became it was kind of intended that way possibly yeah but then sort of became something else do you still view it as uh well how are you viewing it now having been further down the track do you still feel like it's it's that uh you wrestle with that concept whether it's a breakup album or not um i don't think i think that it it started out as a breakup album like when i first started writing songs for it yeah but only only one song out of all of the breakup songs that i wrote made it onto this album Mm -hmm. the rest have been a culmination of exploring um uh, well just for a bit of background like i when i first started writing the album i came out of a big relationship um for me it was it's uh probably the biggest relationship i've been in so like um i started writing songs and i was like ah shit all these are going to be really like pretty hard to deal with if you're a listener and you're not in my life so um i'm gonna um scrap a lot of them and every other song now on the album is kind of like an exploration of the time between that breakup and where I am now and I think like it's a self it's a transformation album it's like finding yourself within um your own world and uh in doing that you're also exploring the idea of being in that world with another person, whoever that may be. And there's been a few people that I've been close with and have been significant enough in my life now for me to have written songs about um, and explore the emotional side of, you know, who I am surrounding those relationships. So Mm. um, the album now is made up of a culmination of different um, breakups, all significant in their own right, but not the original breakup that I was going through when I first started writing it. Do you find that um, being further and further away from that that emotional moment or these moments um, 
how do you uh, how do you go about trying to imbue the same sort of emotion you felt when you're writing the songs, when you're performing them night after night? Uh, is that a challenge, or is that something that you you can kind of take yourself back to that <laughs> that that moment, uh, or do you just sing them and then hope they'll translate through what you've done? It's a really good question. Um, a friend of mine, uh, Dom Byrne, who used to play with Little Red and New Gods and stuff, said that after one of his shows where I thought it was such a great show, um, he was like, oh, I just struggled so much getting into um, the mindset of the songs, like who, who I was when I wrote them. And, um, and it is a struggle to do that sometimes. But I think like... I think if you can find one truth in it that still relates to you, you can find the rest. Mm. Um, and I think that that's the importance of sincerity in songwriting as well. Like if if you're not a sincere songwriter, how do you do that? Like I watch some people like will listen to music and I go, oh shit, I, don't, I just don't connect with it because I don't think it's coming from a real place. And it, I really struggle to understand how people who write insincere songs get into that mindset and how they connect with an audience um yeah i think um if you don't connect with it while you're playing them live you do tend to have a bad gig like john was saying but i think if you can if you can yeah if you're willing to delve back into like the rawer parts of who you are yeah then it's definitely worth it. Do you feel like, um, I maybe I talked about this with Liam last week, but, uh, you know, going through some sort of emotional trauma is, is sort of like gold for, for songwriting or do you feel like it's an unsustainable kind of way to, way to live? <laughs> I mean, you're probably going to get into writing if not, like your next record might not be written yet. I'm not sure. Where are you up to with the next, next batch of songs? Um, I, I think the next, uh, I haven't actually started writing any of them. I've okay. got ideas, but I think the next batch of songs, I want to steer completely away from like um, relationship yep. uh, themes yep. um, and go with something bigger. Okay. Well, maybe not bigger. Maybe just something different. Like I guess um, everything's big in its like, own right. Yeah. Well, slacker of the year sort of. Um, you know, you, there's little hints of uh, dealing like you know world like you know when you're talking about like uh, I can't. I'm not going to spew your lyrics back at you, but uh, you know <laughs> shit that's going down in the world and like or, like look thinking about the bigger picture outside just yourself. Yeah. Um, is that what you're hinting at as far as like what you want to explore? Sort of. I guess. Like I'm not a particularly. Um I'm not a particularly political person, but like you don't have to be a political person to see the wrongs that are happening. Mm. Um, I think that I would just struggle to articulate it in yeah. a way that I think so many great songwriters do. Um, but yeah, definitely exploring bigger ideas like that. And I also think that like um, even within the self, like you can just you can explore um, other parts of yourself that that don't relate to love or, you know, mm. don't relate to um, relationships as well. Yep. Yeah. I felt like there was another, like, I went off on a, on a tangent in that question, but there was an original thread. Yeah, what was the original oh, question? Geez. Doesn't matter. Um, no, you uh, you mentioned Liam. Liam was... Um, uh, no, I, that was something about an emotional place. I, I don't know. <laughs> Damn. Uh, well, let's talk a bit more about the record. You're coming towards, like, the end of sort of maybe touring this kind of record you've yep. got um a pretty a pretty great band playing with you yeah um you've got 
got Nigel on drums. Nigel, yeah. Andy on on guitar. Yeah. Uh, and who plays the bass? Uh, my oh, brother, brother Simon. Your brother Simon plays with the same name as me, who have too many Simons at that, <laughs> that night. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, a, you guys can fight it out. No, he, he can be the, he can be Simon, Simon A, and I'll be Simon 1. And that will <laughs> <laughs> work it out that way. Yeah. Uh, so you're, you release records under your own name. Yep. All those guys played on the record. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you also actually, you're, you're a fantastic drummer as well. Um, how much, when you were actually going to record the record, was all mapped out in your mind about how it was going to sound and you were just dictating that to the, to the um, band? Or was there their own sort of things that they brought to the table that you were open to? Um, it, it's funny, like I would see myself as a passive dictator in terms of my own uh, songwriting. Mm. Like... I try so hard to be light-handed with everyone, but at the same time, you know, I'm a diva. I want what I want yep. sort of thing. Um, yeah, I try to be light-handed with what I ask the band to do, but I definitely bring my ideas to the table and yep. then go, hey, can you execute my idea and then do your own thing with that idea? Okay. Um, and the funny thing is, like, I'll get it sounding exactly how I want it to sound, but then, like... Um, there'll be this like sweet little tinge of everyone's personalities on my ideas yep. with the way that they play their little eccentricities and stuff like that. Um, and I'll be totally happy. But then like when we finished this album, I was like listening back to it and the parts that made me the happiest about listening back were the parts that I had absolutely no part in writing, um, which is totally different to like the last record where I wrote pretty much everything um, and I was very heavy handed with how I wanted it to sound and yeah coming into this one and just kind of easing off a bit we did a lot of pre-production for it so um, everyone knew exactly what they were doing we didn't have as much time in the studio Um, and then afterwards um, when I was listening back yeah like fills that Nige does that I had absolutely no say in and little bass fills that Cy would um, throw into pockets that I just didn't know what to do with and then Andy's guitar solos they all just make the record for me and like the vocal harmonies that Cy has come up with he's an amazing harmony writer Um, and our voices are so similar because we're brothers Um, they just sit so nicely together yeah I um, I I really like the parts that I had absolutely no hand in. Yeah. Mm. Can I get you to play another song? Yeah, definitely. Maybe we'll explore some brotherly stuff after the, the break. But um, yeah, what's, cool. what's the second song you're going to play for us today? Um, I was thinking I will play um, Does Your City Sleep Like Mine? Alrighty. to 
your heart I'm not so old That I won't let the laws of gravity take hold No fear that I would rather kill than to indulge but if we let these arms reach Would you lie awake like me? A feeling I can't shake Knowing what's it But does it just feel right this time? Does your city sleep like mine? Does your city sleep like mine? Does your city sleep like mine? I'm not so tired That I'd go calling out your name into the dark That I can't tell that this is how a fire starts But if we let these flames breathe Would you lie awake like me? A feeling I can't shake Knowing what's at stake But does it just feel right This time Does your city sleep like mine Does your city sleep like mine? Does it play upon your mind? Like you know that you do
Such a great record. I love I love that record so much. Uh, thanks very much. Um, yeah. Uh, also, like I, you know, part of the good thing about this podcast, you get like a, a free a free gig in your in your bedroom. Yeah, uh, yeah. Like my, favorite, my favorite singer serenading me. That's pretty sweet. Shit. Um, yeah. Okay. Next question. Shit. Okay. I got to get back in the question. All right. Let's talk about your brother. Um, okay, okay. So you guys, where do you guys grow up? Well, wait, wait, let me let me let me rephrase. Where did you guys grow up? <laughs> <laughs> um, we grew up uh, in the eastern suburbs, suburbs, uh, the eastern suburbs of Melbourne, Victoria. How, how many siblings in the in the family? Uh, there's I'm the youngest. Yep. Sai is in the middle, and then my sister is the oldest. Is your sister also musical? Uh, no, she's not. She she like she likes music, but she's not musical. But she's in. Um, she's a fantastic artist. She mm. she makes um. Like uh, taxidermy head headdresses. Yep. Um, yeah, she's very talented. So, what was uh, what was being played in the household as you know you guys were having your formative kind of musical years? Um, was it was your brother handing down records to you and like saying like check this out? Yeah, yeah. definitely. Like, um, I first got into music through. Um, I think um, I found I, w- I was intrigued by uh, the record player in the lounge room, and Mum and Dad were like, "Oh, well, if you want to try it, then you should put on Sergeant Pepper's. You'll have fun with that." Mm. And so I put that on, and that got me into music. And then, like you know, meet the Beatles and all these different, um, like uh, through the Beatles, I got into music, and that was around about the time my sister was hitting her teenage years she was listening to a lot of um grunge and stuff like that so for one birthday i got um never mind on cassette because she wanted it (laughs) and um um, yeah so that got me into like um rock and roll and like uh i I guess like a, a new form of rock and roll um outside of the beatles and um yeah Cy i guess guided me through grunge as well um, got into a lot of like Alice in Chains, Soundgarden, who was still like up there in my top three. I, I love Chris Cornell's songwriting. I think he's so good. Um, and uh, yeah, then after that, like I think I went through a patch of being a bit of a sad sack and doing the um, the Melbourne winter with Radiohead and yep. and. Um, <laughs> And then, like, coming out of high school, I went through a massive punk phase and, um, yeah, some friends of mine who just, like, lived and breathed punk um, got me really into, like, rancid, sublime, like, against me. Um, and now I'm, I guess I'm just a culmination of everything. Yeah. But somehow, like, as you get older, you also get into country music, yeah. <laughs> which is, like, some phenomenon I just don't understand. Me and a mate of mine were talking about it, like, the other day. We were like, how, how did we get into country music? Like, as kids, we would have hated our, our musical taste now. Yeah, it might have been, you know, you just pick up a few things. I think it's, uh, look, honestly, I think, like, Neil Young or Bob Dylan's yeah. kind of, like, the waypoint, or even the Beatles a little bit. But, yeah. like, you kind of, you, you just dabble a little bit. You know, you have your sort of, like, gateway country. It's like, oh, I quite like this quite a Neil Young song. Oh, well, who's playing on these records? Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, so at what what point through that journey did you pick up the guitar? Were you a drummer first or were you a guitarist? I was a drummer first. Yeah. So my brother always played bass. Yeah. Oh, I think he started out maybe playing the guitar. Um, no, I think he was on bass. And so I wanted to like, I played around with his bass guitar every now and then, but then I wanted to, 
I really wanted to play drums because I thought it was so cool as a kid. Um, and we would like jam together and, and play and stuff like that. And then we also had a guitar there, which so I was quite good at. And so I picked it up and started like fiddling around with it. And I never really had faith in myself as a guitarist. I, I still don't really have faith in myself as a guitarist, but I like playing it. And yep. if you like something, it doesn't matter if you're good at it. No. If it makes you feel good, then who gives a shit? Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I picked up the guitar. Um, probably I was playing drums in bands like for maybe five years before I went, oh, you know what? I, I can just write my own stuff now. And um, it's been a funny relationship for me like since I started doing that because – um, every now and then I feel like I should I, I feel like it's important to focus on just one and not the other but no matter which one I focus on I always go I'm unfulfilled and I want to do both yep. um, and now I'm at a really good spot I think where I'm like playing drums for a whole bunch of great songwriters but also focusing a lot on my own yeah you yeah. got a good you're in a, you're in a good little space where you just you know you're creatively kind of like charged but also you're playing good shows on your own and then like you can go out and play with Hachiku on yeah. weekends and stuff like that and Rob Munos I'm, yeah. I'm playing with as well and occasionally jumping in on drums for um, this awesome singer Angie McMahon I don't know if you've heard of her I, I, yeah I haven't seen her play but yeah she's a great songwriter great um, yeah great performer cool yeah so I'm I'm a very lucky guy at the moment yeah. uh, being able to do all of that stuff yeah i guess it goes back to also like you you, you know you're in a happy place yeah you're gonna write you're gonna write this. again <laughs> the sad songs it's hard i like yeah. I, like i am not to talk about me on this podcast because this podcast is about you no let's talk but, about you for no a let's not talk about me <laughs> but i'm still like it's always i'm still wrestling with it's kind of like i i feel really happy at the moment yeah but, like going out and playing sad songs is not is not something that like it's hard it's hard to like kick your brain into that that mode again yeah. yeah, I always sort of see it as like a um, in order to be the happy person that you are, mm. like because I'm I'm a pretty happy person yeah. most of the time, um, but I always see it as like um, in order to be that person, I have to process everything else that that makes up me as a whole, yeah. and if that means writing sad songs, then I'll do that, and if I if I think that uh, those songs are worth playing and worth other people hearing. And if people are going to connect to it, then that's a worthwhile thing to be pursuing. Mm. Well, we talked a little bit before about um, the next phase of like getting ready, gearing up to writing, writing an album. What's the cycle of, uh, of writing? How does, how does one begin the cycle of writing a Jim Laurie record? <laughs> um, I, think, uh, I think it comes down to finding time. Okay. Um, yeah. I, uh, that's such a shit answer. Um, Do you have to like say like no more, no more gigs for a little while? I'm just going to go into hibernation or do you need to find a new location to to sit in or i think i think find a new space i don't think you have to stop playing gigs to to write but um i think also um finding the right inspiration or like the right energy mm. to do it like um that's one thing i really struggle with and also finding that energy at the right time like if for me creatively i'm most creative after 11 p.m yep but if i'm like working or something like that the next day at eight o'clock i'm not going to get up and and, like put down that idea that i've got in my head um uh unless it's really worth it and then if it's really worth it i'll do it Mm. um 
but yeah, it's finding the right energy at the right time. I think for me, yeah, it's um, it's it's interesting that you've you've observed that like you've got a particular time of day where you're like, <laughs> is that something that you you sort of um, I don't know, do you just kind of uh, do you just work that out as as far as like, oh, I feel really creatively charged now, or just kind of like I seem to be writing a lot of songs after eleven pm now. <laughs> yeah, I just looked at the data. Well, um, self-awareness is pretty important when it comes to like knowing totally. where to push yourself or like what you need to do in order to get in the space to to write some some bangers. Yeah, totally. I I think that it actually took someone else saying it to me, um, saying that uh, they were most creative, you know, after a certain time in the day. And then I thought about that in relationship to myself and went, oh, you know what? That actually rings pretty true to me as well. And that would be the reason that I sleep so badly sometimes is because I've got all this creative energy that I really need to get out of me and like um you know it's been a it's been a a long process of self-discovery in that sense but um once it clicked it clicked Uh, yeah but I mean it's uh, there's also always exceptions to that like sometimes I'll be I'll get out of bed and I'll be like oh wow this is time to go um yeah. Yeah. I I think I was listening to Neil Finn talk about his creative process. He always gets up in the morning and then has a nap and then that makes <laughs> that, <laughs> that gets him in the mood. It. Yeah. Yeah. Which I find really funny. <laughs> one one I found one thing I found that I um I noticed that I was writing all my songs standing up. Yeah. Like okay. I was anytime I went to sit down, it I was just like wasn't doing it, but then I just sort of like I sort of just was standing and I was like, oh yeah, I need to, I need to be standing in order to like write songs. It's, it's really strange. It's kind of, yeah. whether that puts you in like kind of like a performance headspace or something like that. I've got a similar thing. Like whenever I stand up in front of a microphone and yeah. with the intention of writing something or the intention of playing something new, yeah. I can walk away with a new song in yeah. like, you know, half an hour to an hour. Mm. I mean, it'll be a shit song, but it's <laughs> something to work with. Yeah. But like, you know, you, you chuck a bit of, um, verb on your voice or something mm. like that and then suddenly you've got this um a reality to its existence yep and um i think that that is just the atmosphere that you might need sometimes to get you out of the headspace of oh, i'm just mm. you know practicing guitar in my bedroom or whatever yeah all good tips yeah um when you were writing the record, yeah. uh, you, I, I think I read that, you know, you had maybe like double the amount of songs that actually ended up in the record. You're like a 20, like the, the one particular breakup song on the record was just one of, one of many. Yeah. Uh, how did you go through like culling, um, well, which songs, let me think what the, what the quote was. When, I think maybe it was like that, that song kind of came to the fore or like that sort of proved itself among the, like the pile of like trash yeah. um, how did you how did you kind of disseminate the the good from the bad with with your with your songs for the, for this record um i think it touches oh uh, yeah it touches on that idea that we were talking about before which was um when you play a song live connecting with it again and like being able to hit that emotional place that you were in when you wrote it mm. that for this song um in particular, which is Ties That Bind. That's yep. the song. Um, yeah, for that song, that was the only one that I was confident that in three years' time I will still be able to sing it and and realise the emotional depth that I was at when I was writing it. Mm-hmm. Um, for all the other ones, um, I was... Uh, all of the ones that got thrown out just, like, lyrically didn't hit home on a 
um, on a, an eternal level for me. Like in the moment, it was it was profound because it was like you know, it said something to me that helped me move on. But then at the same time, it was just what was needed in the moment. It wasn't an, a, a long term feeling. Yeah. Um, but for this song, I was yeah for ties that bind. It was like cool. I know that this song has three verses that all mean something that I'm going to connect with for a long time. Yeah. It's, uh, that's um, it's really interesting for me to hear that like how you talk about yeah you know, like thinking about longevity when it comes to like what becomes a good song yeah um, with those are you with the with the ones that didn't quite make it are are those cast off into the scrap heap forever or will you think there'll be threads that, are there ever threads that will pop back up and be like oh that you know that little that a little lick or that little change could be something else in in times or you just kind of like you've shut the door on on those batch of songs forever um definitely not shut the door. But for me at the moment, they're not, uh, yeah. Like I'll, I'll think about them maybe once every six months and go, oh, there was that song. We could try and resurrect that. But mm. it's just not, I don't think it's worth the energy if it's not there. Um, a few people were disappointed to, like our old drummer, um, Sam Rains, who now drums with Sasquatch, um, he was really sad to hear that one of his favourites wasn't getting recorded, that he loved playing drums for and he really loved the song. And to a certain degree, I really liked the song as well, but it was just like, it was just six chords repeated for three minutes. Mm-hmm. And um, for me, it just wasn't interesting enough. And it, and the sentiment of the song wasn't something that was going to, um, you know, outlive me. So I was like, stuff it, I don't want to... I don't want to do it. Yep. But he was super disappointed about that. And a few other people have said that they were disappointed about it. And I was like, ah, well, I don't know. Maybe it, maybe it's worth recording that sort of stuff for other people. But yeah. For, but I'm a selfish guy and I don't want to do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, yeah. I think I think that's we've, we've covered a lot of a lot of ground today. Yeah. Um, yeah. This has been one of my one of my favorite chats. Thank you, Jim, so much for doing this. Yeah, me uh, too. Can I can I twist your arm into playing? One final song. Yeah, definitely. Um, Cool. I'm going to tune up again. Okay. Okay. So what's the final song you can play today? Is it it weather based? (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's a... (laughs) Yeah. It's been a a rainy day in Melbourne. Now it's it's fined up. uh, And I believe the last song you're going to play, it sounds like you're going to play... Dress for Rain. Yeah. Yeah. It's a funny point you make. Like the the other title of the album that I thought would be funny was songs about dreams and rain because like there's a whole bunch of songs about dreams and there's a whole bunch of songs about rain yeah just lay it out there (laughs) um but yeah uh yeah this song's called dress for rain like we're running different scores You're always hungry and I'm never wanting more But I got food for thought That's what left is for You know I'd always be your clown 
you just let me hang around to smile through the pain but all you ever do is dress for rain oh that you do is dress for rain and we'll get sent to different shores you take your chance to correspond another war but I got news for you you don't have to shoot My flag is failing in the wind Nobody has to lose just so you can win But time and again Why'd you always have to dress for rain? Oh, all that you do is dress And all this talk of different worlds Astronomy ain't easy for a complicated girl But I could be your moon And circle right round you So take a trip up here someday The sun will shine in exactly the same way and I'll shine the same You won't ever have to dress for rain But all that you do is dress for rain Thanks very much for having me. Thanks, Jude. Alright, cool. Sick. Thanks, man. That was awesome. Big thanks to Jim for coming in to do that beautiful session. Definitely one of my favorite chats and uh, set of songs so far on the program. Amazing. Uh, so, if you enjoyed the program, two things you need to do. Uh, first thing, go out and buy a copy of Jim's album Slacker of the Year out through Belly Dress Records. You can find it on all the major channels, or I think you can find it on his Bandcamp as well. I'll put some links in the bio for you. Uh, another thing, if you enjoyed the program, uh, just pull your phone out now. Give us a review on iTunes, or just hit the like button, or share it with a friend. That would really, really help. Um, yeah, really, really appreciate your support. Coming up next week, uh, we will either have a session from Closet Straits, which I recorded on the weekend, or Euro from Cult is coming in this week. Uh, not sure yet. You'll have to stay tuned to our social media pages. But yeah, 
I'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, my name's Simon Fazio. I'll see you real soon. Bye. Earbuds, Melbourne's podcast network. Earbudsnetwork.com.